the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back as we head into Hour 3. I am smiling from ear to ear for two reasons. Two of my favorite things are here with me. Uh, One of them is Mr. John Shattuck, Congressman John Shattuck, formerly representing Arizona's old 4th Congressional District, which he did for 16 years and is now the head of Shattuck & Associates. Uh, That's favorite thing number one. Favorite thing number two are books. He brought me books. Christmas comes early, John. You just and you just so shines a good deed on a cloudy day, as Shakespeare put it. I've got your daddy's original How to Win an Election, The Art of Political Victory, which is the Bible of political consulting and a book I really didn't know existed until you mentioned it about um, a week or two ago. Barry Goldwater, Freedom is His Flight Plan by Stephen Shattig, 1962. This is a great, these are original, and oh my gosh. Well, thank you very, very, very much. Why does he sign some book Stephen C. Shattig, and why is the middle initial out in other books? There's got to be a deep philosophical purpose and reason and signal he's sending. If there is, <laughs> he did not share it. He took it with him. <laughs> okay. There's a little story. His actual born name was Carol Stephen Shattuck. Oh, really? And he didn't like Carol, uh, which I guess suppose, you know, born when he was born, 1909, I think. Yeah. Uh, and not Catholic. Nin- was your daddy Catholic? No. Because there was that famous Carol. Right. Um, yeah. In any event, uh, so, uh, for a, and he also felt that. <laughs> This is funny. He felt that people that used an initial yeah. at the beginning of their name, yeah. C. Stephen Shattuck, yeah. or, you know. Right. It's uh, not good with a C. I have the same problem. They were, he felt they were full of themselves or overstuffed. He didn't get along well with Jay Gordon. There you go. Jay Gordon. Jay Gordon Liddy or J. Edgar Hoover. <laughs> he would not have been happy with either one of them. So he didn't want to be C. Stephen Shattuck. Yeah. So he just changed it. Well, the C is a problem. Because it's almost like for cross references, C. St- <laughs> you use it verbally. It doesn't. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it doesn't yep. work so well. It doesn't work so well. So he became Stephen C. Shattuck. Well, there's no one better to have in studio on a day like today, or to receive these gifts, or to go through with you something I was raising with the audience yesterday. This 1964. Those are cool too. 1964. Um, uh, this 1964 elongated interview with Barry Goldwater in U.S. News Re- World Report. We were talking a little bit <clears throat> um, about uh, the word extremism, and we'll get to that in a few moments with you, if you don't mind. But first, it would be an affectation not to raise with you the Colorado Supreme Court, just general sense of things here. Um, look, the Supreme Court has to strike this down. If yes. it doesn't, then every state in the union will be tempted to do this, and I think there's 14 that are trying as 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 is. And it is an odd thing for the party that declaims 
against voter suppression <laughs> or or um or or the um or the evisceration of the right to vote or even extremism or the breaking of norms to engage in this but I'll let you say whatever you want to say um I am absolutely, totally, and completely, I'll try to figure out some other adjective, uh, convinced the United States Supreme Court will reverse it. They will reverse it because it is on its face wrong. If you read the words of the 14th Amendment, and anybody who wants to engage in this or or that clause is welcome to do so, and once you do so, you see that it's absurd. On its face, it does not apply to the president. In addition to the fact that there was there's been no conviction, so it's just this group of judges that feel this way. So, uh, I again, I am absolutely certain and have. I mean, I know crazy things happen, but this is not one of those crazy things. They will reverse it because they can, and it is anti-democratic. It is popular in America to wor- to worry out loud. And now the left is doing it, that democracy is in grave jeopardy. We're about to abandon democracy. If we elect uh, Mr. Trump again, then there will be no democracy. That will be the end of democracy, all of which is just flat out absurd. But this decision is an end, to, would be an end if it were to be upheld of democracy because it takes away the right of the people to select their leaders. And more importantly, or just as importantly, the wording of the uh, 14th Amendment doesn't say this. Uh, it, it clearly does not cover someone running for president or someone who is president of the United States. So it will go away. Um, I think these four justices uh, arrogated unto themselves the power to do this so that they could be notable for something. And they did it. Uh, and it won't last. And I think they know themselves it won't last. One of the things, and I haven't seen a lot of um, commentary on this. There has been commentary on the fact that what the Supreme Court of Colorado found was not only an agreement with the finding of fact from the lower Kate, lower court that um, Donald Trump engaged in insurrection, but that then, of course, unlike the lower court, he was subject to the restraint in the 14th Amendment. But the Supreme Court, and this is really fascinating to me, in their, in their majority opinion, said he was found to have been guilty by, of incitement by clear and convincing evidence. Now, incitement is a federal law, of, it's a federal criminal law under Title 18. I don't know how you can use a clear and convincing standard in a criminal charge, of course, which he was not found uh, or ever charged with. Yeah. But how does sua sponte hold him responsible for violating the criminal code under a standard short of beyond a reasonable uh, beyond reasonable doubt test? Seems to me yet another cross current of normative legal breaking of standards. It's odd to me. There's no rule that applies here. It's, there is no rule that when it comes to Donald Trump, all rules go. Which is to say it's politics. They didn't try to justify the decision or their decision based on law. They said, well, this is the result we want. And the stronger the language we write, whether it's true or not, uh, the better will be perceived by 
the friends we want to perceive us as good. So we have to hate uh, Trump and we have to prove that by uh, even going beyond what the law permits us to do or applying a standard that doesn't apply. Yeah. I mean, it, it shows it's kind of funny in as a lawyer, you meet lawyers for whom the law is uh, above everything. Their their fidelity is a kind of a matter of integrity, and it's to the law. And you meet other judges or other lawyers that are just, yeah, okay, the law is important, and we should abide by it. You know, they're more, more of a guideline than a rule. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know, and and they recognize there are other things in life. Yeah. Uh, these guys clearly put politics ahead of the law, which is interesting. It means they shouldn't be on the court. And one of the things that's fascinating is that Colorado went for Trump overwhelmingly. So it must be that in Colorado there is no recall of judges. They don't stand for retention. And so they were able to do this. My bet is the Colorado law provides they have tenure for life. You know, the um, the interesting thing about it, we were bringing up Barry Goldwater uh, earlier. No one in this city is as close to, or certainly including your dad, no one in this city uh, or in earshot would have been as close to Barry Goldwater as the two of you. And uh, around that same time, that would have included a lot of the exertions of William Buckley as well, whom you knew well. And he had this rule or this dictum about how the culture, the law, and everything else treats Republicans versus Democrats. It was a Latin uh, a Latin saying, a quad licit uh, uh, quad licit jovi, non licit bovi. What is good for the gods is not good for the swine, is not good for the cattle. We live under two different rules the rules that apply to the Democrats and the rules that apply to Republicans. I want to run that by you when we come by when we come back from commercial break. John Shattuck is my guest, the honorable John Shattuck, and he and I will be right back. <laughs> Well, welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. It's a delight having uh, the Honorable John Shattuck, Congressman John Shattuck, in studio with me. John, this uh, notion that the rules for the Democrats and the rules for the Republicans are never the same. Buckley's formulation was what's good for the gods is not what's good for the swine or the swine. I've heard consultants say when you're a Republican, you're always the away team. You're always treated like the away team. Uh, and you get this when it comes to Republicans. You get this when it comes to Donald Trump. You get this with the Colorado Supreme Court opinion, which one legal scholar wrote, OK, here's how I read it. When they find, for example, Trump's speech on January 6th is causing as catalyzing an, an insurrection, he said, I read it that. If you say what Maxine Waters says, you're fine. If you hear Donald Trump say, march peacefully and patriotically, we will treat him like we should have treated Maxine Waters for saying what Maxine Waters said. <laughs> that seems to be pretty operative right now. Two different rules. It, it is clear that there are two different rules. Um, it is clear. It's kind of interesting. The press used to apply two different rules and hold Democrats to one standard and Republicans to another. And we used to complain about that. that when you and I were in high school, that was something we said was an outrage or unfair or the 
Maybe when the, you were in high school, John. Take there it go. easy there. All right. Yeah, I'm, 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 <laughs> you gotta, <laughs> you're young, but you weren't born yesterday. How about that? <laughs> you got a month or two on me? Oh, stop it. <laughs> in any event, you know, it used to make us mad that you'd watch the nightly news and there would be some leftist broadcaster who would weave in everywhere they could uh, the dogma of of liberals those in those days. They weren't called leftists. Um, but what's amazing now is that that bias no longer exists in the media because the media never no support or, 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 or say anything nice about or even attempt to fairly characterize the view of Republicans or conservatives. Now it's moved from uh, a rule within the media to a rule within the law. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's a function of power. Um, it's funny. Republicans uh, used to um, believe, I think, that corporate America was right because corporate America believed in competition and free capitalism yeah, and free bet, enterprise sure. and, and all the things that Republicans had in their platforms and believed in. Now, Republicans are waking up and saying, we don't believe in any corporation or any big entity because they are without principles. They are leftists and they are committed to it. And they don't they would never stand up and support free enterprise or capitalism or maybe even hard work. Their answer is, well, we got to take the woke doctrine and apply it. And oh, by the way, if we need to sell our products, well, then we've got to use woke doctrine and favor woke policies in order to uh, succeed. And that they're unguided. So, yes, it's it's not a level playing field, never has been, probably never will be. It's a part of the fight we have to carry. I want to talk to you about the corporate thing just a second more before we get into more on extremism. Um, a light went off in my head the other day um, when Adam Carolla was interviewing the founder of uh, the food service, uh, the food chain, um, the restaurant chain Aubon Pan. Uh, who evidently is, I guess, a liberal guy. I just can't remember his name. And Adam was asking him about corporations engaging in wokeism and political activity the way they never have before, virtue signaling and the like. Light went on in my head, went off, whatever, turned on. Uh, when he asked this um, this man, he asked his guest, he said, um, so how does Bud Light do what Bud Light did with Dylan Mulvaney or whatever her his name is? Do they have memos? Does this come from the top? Is it? This guy had such a fascinating answer, John, which to me, I just it never dawned on me. Maybe I'm slow. He said, you have an old-fashioned view of the American corporation, which primarily, we all learned, was responsible to its shareholders. Corporate executives now believe they have a second customer, and it's not just the buying customer at the store. It's the employee. They see their employees as their own customers that they have to send these messages to to make them feel part of something bigger than that which they sell. And that blew me away, that the employees are seen as customers. A light went off in my head because I get it. I know what this generation thinks. You know what this generation thinks. They're not like your kids. They don't think like your kids. They think like, you know, socialist Marxists. They think like the NEA. 
And this guy said corporations now treat their employees as customers equal to the person lining up in the, in the store to buy their product. That blew me away. I wonder if he's right. Um, Doesn't it blow you away? It, it surprises me. It, it, it explains a lot. I suppose it explains a lot. I guess I fundamentally think he's wrong. I do, too. But he, he, but, but here's he what may I, be descriptive, though. Well, here's what I think. <coughs> if it were true, that, I think, would mean that they have a level of respect for their employees and, and, and therefore would make some deference to them and would want to please them or uh, be loyal to them the way they're supposed to please and try to be loyal to their customers in order to sell their product. I don't think the loyalty runs to their employees. I don't think they give a darn about their employees. Okay. I actually think they're worried about the left, period. They're worried about woke people. They have decided, like, uh, they have bought into the whole guilt theory, which is if you are successful in life, if you work hard, if you uh, get up earlier and go to bed later and struggle in between and are rewarded for it, something evil just happened. Mm -hmm. And so I think they no longer feel a loyalty to their stockholders mm -hmm. who created the capital that makes it possible for them to do what they do. They kind of think that mm, those people might be mad or might be bad. I'm sorry, might be bad because they have money and and we've bought into the leftist theory or the wokeism belief that. If you work hard and are productive and are rewarded for it, you're, bear, you're bad. Capitalism is bad. Rewarding people for their effort or work is bad. So, I mean, I, I disagree with him in that I think there would be something, some, some little good or at least some good in corporate uh, managers saying, we need to be loyal to our employees. I don't think they give a hoot about their employees. Uh, and that's sad. I think it's all they need to satiate their guilt because they're making money. <laughs> so I better, I better at least pay lip service to that crowd that thinks they should have every penny I have. Yeah. Interesting. It's something. It's different. It's a new world. And today is another example in, in, in a litany of millions of how we're facing it. I want to talk to you about extremism when we come back and Goldwater's predictions from 59 years ago that have come to true today. We'll be right back. Well, there are very few people who would have known um, Barry Goldwater as well as the man I'm sitting across from, uh, and that is Congressman Shattuck. Or and of course his dad, who was uh, a, a ghostwriter and campaign, or at least manager. his philosophy, or at least his philosophy for sure. For, for sure, his philosophy. That one I'll defend. Yeah, um, I want you to read from this 1964 interview in U.S. News and World Report. Start it. Start at the bottom in your vo in your voice. Just read what Barry wrote. Just starting about when he's talking about what extremism meant. The Q and A on that. So, the interviewer says. Uh, What's that other point? Yeah. And Goldwater responds, that thing about extremism, I'd say, George, what do you mean? Let's pin that thing down. What is an extremist? I never got 
a satisfactory answer. Again, I've asked Rockefeller time and again, define for me what an extremist is. I certainly don't care for extremists, but is a man an extremist just because he is concerned about the trend of the government or the trend of the Supreme Court decisions? Interviewer, did he ever give you an answer? Goldwater, no, never has. What's your own definition of an extremist? Goldwater, he would be a communist on one side and a fascist on the other. Pretty good. Keep going. It gets better. It's the guys. The guys cooking here. Those are the poles of extremism. The whole area of semantics has become interesting because words don't mean anything anymore in this field. I remember how one columnist started the attack on the conservatives when it was felt that conservatism was making inroads. He said that our answers were too pat and they were too simple. Well, they wore that one out because the average American likes to have a simple answer. And then they begin, began to move the liberal into the middle. They realized that liberalism was being associated with leftists, and a leftist in the average person's mind is a communist. So we began to see more and more of the, com- of the columnists and so on describing Herbert Humphrey as a moderate and Lyndon Johnson as a moderate, to some extent, Senator Fulbright as a moderate, to them, Senator Morse is a moderate. Now, this is immediate, Now, this immediately pushes the conservative in the average person's mind into the rightest end. I can take look. I can look forward to the next few years. Humphrey and Johnson will be referred to as conservative, <laughs> and we who are conservative will be referred to as idiots on the right, or a dangerous fringe element. The whole thing is balled up to this point of being meaningless. Actually, we have no true liberals in the country except conservatives. Isn't that brilliant? Because he presaged exactly what we're seeing today. It's now called that phenomenon is called something fancy. It's called the Overton window where they continue to shift where the label is. So, you know, for example, you have people like Bill Maher saying, wait a minute, I thought I was a Democrat. Um, I thought I was a liberal Democrat. I agree with nothing. The Democratic Party, God forbid he would ever look at the Republicans. But nonetheless, Robert Kennedy a little bit in in that sense, too, saying he's trying to drag the, the Robert Kennedy Jr., trying to drag the Democratic Party back to his uncle and his daddy's roots. Goldwater saw all that happening, and he's totally right about that use of the word extreme. So making the point yesterday, John, when Obama was president, um, they stopped talking of Islamism and radical Islam, and they started using the phrase uh, religious extremists to describe the al-Qaeda types. And then comes 2012 and Obama's re-election, and then 2016 Hillary's election. Guess what they called Republicans? Extremists. Extremists. And it was almost as if they were trying to kind of shape this language of getting people to think. Remember when they used to talk about the Taliban wing of the Republican Party? You don't hear that anymore. But no. That's, right? Interesting how they, that, that, that weaponization of language for political purposes, huh? It's, it, it's shrewd. It's smart. And they have done it for a long time. And you can't do that unless uh, the media, the writers, thinkers uh, of society let you do it. Mm -hmm. If nobody – if you begin to use a word in a way that is not the accepted way uh, and the media or the left media doesn't correct you, well, then your use becomes the accepted Mm -hmm. use. And so, uh, as Goldwater points out, 
those moderates that were listed um, ultimately aren't moderates, and the conservatives become extremists. I'm guessing that whenever you gave a speech at the Heritage Foundation, the New York Times would have described it as John Shadda giving a speech at the Right Wing Heritage Foundation. And if you gave a speech at the Brookings Institution, they would have described it as John Shadda gives a speech at the Brookings Institution. There you go. Let me let me take a quick uh, Unless break. in the former, they'd have said extremist John Shadda. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Well done. Touche. <laughs> we'll be right back. Congressman John Shattig is my guest. He is uh, the founder and head of Shattig and Associates. Uh, Shattig and Associates or Shattig Associates? Shattig Associates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when on your printing, you save a lot of money by not That's having right. that and percent, right? Yep. Billions over the years. Billions. <laughs> John Shattig. <laughs> Shattig Associates. S-H-A-D-E-G-G. All right, let's talk about this extremism label for a moment because you were you were you were around for all this and your daddy was part and parcel of all this. The phrase extremism in the defense of liberty. Um 1964, penned by Harry Jaffa. Harry Jaffa. Not about the Soviet Union, not about Vietnam, but about Rockefeller and Scranton and Romney, about fellow Republicans who called him extremist. Absolutely. The year before that, one year before that, Martin Luther King Jr. writes something now famous called A Letter from Birmingham Jail. And he is writing this letter to fellow pastors, men of the cloth, who are condemning him for being an extremist. Now very famous letter. Yes, very now. Highly very, regarded. Right. And he has this line in here. Now I am being called an extremist. Was not Jesus an extremist for love? Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them who despitefully use you and persecute you. Was not Amos an extremist for justice? Let justice roll down like water and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Was not Paul an extremist for Christian gospel? I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Was not Martin Luther an extremist? Here I stand, I cannot do otherwise. Was John Bunyan not an extremist? He goes on and on. Abraham Lincoln, um, uh, Thomas Jefferson. He says, the question is not whether we will be extremists, but what kind of extremists we will be. Goldwater was saying nothing more than that. And when you break down the phraseology, who wouldn't want to be an extremist defending liberty? And who does today think? The left certainly doesn't that moderation and the pursuit of justice is a good thing. I think that nails it. Um, I think if you look at life, all people who have had huge impact on their societies, at least in a positive way, have been extremists. They have been consumed with some fight in which they believed deeply and in most instances uh, when you talk about people who have improved society, it's been a fight for uh, freedom or justice uh, in one form or another. And that's what consumed them and drove them. And from my perspective, most of them, if labeled conservative, are being complimented. But unfortunately, it's now been interpreted to be uh, a, a negative. Um, so it's... It, it, it's interesting that the left, with the aid of the media then, which was only uh, openly leaned left, not 
consumed in its devotion to the left or its conduct in support of the left, uh, used it against Goldwater. And instead of saying, hey, do we want a president who is passionately in favor of freedom or justice, uh, which should have been a fair question and which would have raised a legitimate issue, and many of us would have said, yeah, we do want somebody like that. Instead, they made a pejorative. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it, it's kind of interesting about, in, in one ways, in one way, the use of the truth or even candor is something that can be very damaging in politics. Uh, for The most recent example is Trump saying, well, I'd only be a dictator on one day. Or you can go back in Arizona to Burton Barter, who, who was asked, well, you pledged not to raise this tax you enacted, and then you raised it. Why'd you do it? And he quipped, I lied. Um, I, I think, <laughs> I don't know that I want to say this, but I think one of the things I learned from watching Goldwater and reading Goldwater was that while I had hardcore conservative beliefs, I wanted to be cautious not to scare anybody. Mm-hmm. So if I talked about freedom, I tried to do it in terms that wouldn't scare anyone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and, and in this case, uh, uh, Harry Jaffa put that quote in, a political Barry Goldwater, someone driven by an interest in power, you know, all-consuming, I've got to be more powerful, more powerful, more po- powerful, which is what I think the vast majority of politicians are today, would have stripped out. Yeah, Jaffa's. he would have taken it out. Absolutely. What would a have, fascinating point! And never have stripped out me. Jaffa's yeah. line in a nanosecond. But he and was said, a political Are you philosopher. Barry. Are you trying to yeah. keep me from getting elected? Yeah. Goldwater said, "No, no, no. That's a good line. That tells people who I am and what I believe in. I believe in freedom and I believe in justice." That's a great point. I've never heard that point made. If he, if it was just political, yeah. he would. That would have been gone. No in a sheer politician would have ever allowed that line. They would have treated it like tear down this wall, oh like gosh. those speechwriters who tried to get that out of there, <laughs> yep, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And Reagan, of course, embraced right. it because, because he, that's, believed, he was that guy. Yeah. So it, sometimes you can actually see the true color yeah. of the person. Oh, are they a politician or are they a shill for getting power uh, right there in their language? I, in all my studying of that speech and that phrase in that period, no one has ever explained it that way. That's beautiful. That's <laughs> No, it, it's beautiful. And it gives a lot to Barry Goldwater, and deservedly so. You read that, um, the rest of that interview, you see you are working with a man of great political philosophy. Yeah, and that's what he was. Much more a political philosopher with a deeply held set of beliefs than a politician, which is why when my dad was trying to sell him, it was, you know, uh, you may not agree with Goldwater about everything, but at least you know you can trust him yeah. because he tells you exactly what he believes, yeah. which, of course, is the opposite of most politicians, perhaps at any time, but certainly now. Uh, you know, no politician today who is dying to get elected, which they all are, would ever tell you the truth yeah. if they thought it would risk their chances. Yeah. And it becomes an interesting question as to whether they're going to tell you what they believe or whether they actually have beliefs, which is a topic you and I have spent a lot of time on. I want to come back and close the show with you, just the last short segment, just a little bit, because we're here again. Um, We are here again where 
the extremism – it's a two-front war conservatives have to fight, the, le- the liberal left media and fellow Republicans who seem to be happy to join in on calling them extremists. And I think, I think it's our duty to point out this doesn't end well for conservatives or Republicans of any stripe. Can we just close on that and come right back? Not sure I'll agree with you, but okay. yeah, absolutely. All right. All right. <laughs> yeah, if you think it's easy to agree with me, try disagreeing with me. We'll be right back. When um, Donald Rumsfeld became the Secretary of Defense for the second time in 2001, the movie Charlie's Angels with Cameron Diaz was just out, and he said to the employees at the Department of Defense, Charlie's Angels are back, and so am I. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm thinking, Robert Kennedy is back, and so are the Romneys. Because, right? I'm talking about, I mean, Mitt's dad was one of the people for whom, uh, uh, to, 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 who was a bit more of Goldwater's, to whom he was directing this extremism in the defense of liberty is no vice line. And we do see the same kinds of things uh, father-son here. Not all fathers are like their sons and not all sons are like their fathers. But there is that description you just gave. The guy, you're not sure what his real beliefs are. But the one thing he will be very clear on is the Republicans and the conservatives he doesn't like. And he will join in the media in bringing that part of the party down. I think I, – I, I, anyway, I just find it historically interesting. You can say whatever you want on it. But I think it doesn't end well for us when that happens. I think it doesn't end well for us when we attack fellow Republicans that way and use the same lines and the same verbiage of the media and the press and feel like we have a moral superiority to the guy who's actually winning. Absolutely agree. Yeah, absolutely agree. What uh, or where I thought you were going is uh, the, the fight by Republicans against Republicans and the use of the word, for example, extremists by Rockefeller and Romney and others against Goldwater. And what I would argue is, and this is a constant problem, it may be a problem for Democrats on the left, but it's certainly a problem for us, and that is those who least understand the philosophy and, and get it are the ones who have to make attacks like that. Um, there are there are a minority of people who are philosophical and who understand the philosophy behind freedom and that freedom benefits everybody, and not just every not not just that freedom is a good thing, but that if you let people be free then not only will, or more importantly, the poor will do better and the rich will do better. And lots of people who claim to be Republicans simply don't understand that. And so they decide anybody who says something that that Joe might take as offensive, they need to condemn, not because yeah. they don't understand it, right. understand why this thing was said, what they are afraid of is that Joe will be mad at them, yep. um, and so they need to condemn it. Yep. So they're condemning what they don't even understand. Yeah, it's an odd codependency. John <laughs> Shattuck, so good to see you. I won't see you before Christmas, most likely, so very Merry Christmas to you and the Shattucks. And your audience. Uh, it's a special time of year. Uh, 
And you saw, we think about how terrible this time of year is and how threatened we are. What better time to be alive? God bless you. Class dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.